0: Visit successfulnonprofits.com forward slash newsletter to sign up today. And now, friend, let me take you to the episode you've downloaded. Welcome to the Successful Nonprofits Podcast. I'm your host, Dolph Goldenberg. Today I am talking with a couple of people who are on the forefront of nonprofit collaboration. S- Tracy Stanley and Joshua Fulcher are part of the Chicago Benchmarking Collaborative, which is an alliance of seven education and human service agencies that collectively work with more than 12,000 low-income individuals throughout some of Chicago's most underserved neighborhoods. Now, real quick... Throughout today's episode, you may hear us refer to the Collaborative as the Collaborative or as the CBC. But when we say CBC, we do not mean Canadian Broadcast Corporation. That's a few miles north of Chicago. We're talking about the Chicago Benchmarking Collaborative. Now, the Collaborative developed a set of common outcomes and a technology blueprint to track metrics. The collected data itself is used to design and implement strategies for measurably better outcomes. Now, the CBC recently published a how-to guide to its methodology. And that how-to guide is not just a guide, it's also a toolkit. Joshua is the director of the Expanded Learning Programs at Erie Neighborhood House, a program member of the collaborative and one of the founding members. Tracy is Director of Quality Assurance at Christopher House, and Christopher House provides the project management and probably fiscal oversight of the collaborative. Now, together, they're going to share some of the insights that they gained through the collaborative use of data. Hey, Tracy and Joshua, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Dolph.
1: Thanks for having us.
0: Hey, we're thrilled, absolutely thrilled to have you all here. Now, oftentimes when folks hear about collaboration, they're kind of like, oh, we hear so much about collaboration and I know that it can be tough. How did you all get the collaborative started?
2: Uh, so I, yeah, I can start. Uh, we, the collaborative started in, uh, 2009. So we are celebrating our 10 year anniversary and, uh, We really were a a partnership of five social service agencies, uh, all based in Chicago, that really were committed to working together to benchmark data for comparative insights and learning. Um, and, And our goal really has been, right, that we want to improve quality of services, um, so that we can increase our impact on low income children, youth and families. And so, you know, in the initial beginning stages, uh, there were uh, many meetings where right leadership convened to um, talk about the software uh, that we needed to adopt and then the process for uh, building the work culture at each agency. Um, so that we're, we were developing strong data tracking systems and that so staff had, you know, the knowledge and the skills to effectively uh, track outcomes and analyze data Um and so uh, a lot of the, the hows in the beginning were around the professional development uh, of staff, as well as building that agency capacity to uh, track the, the common outcomes that we all agreed
0: to track. Uh, and, and I have to reflect, I can totally understand the need for professional development, but um, most people did not go into social work, human services, or education unless they wanted to be a math teacher thinking, I love math. I want I want to spend 20% of my time doing math. So Joshua, from one of the um, founding programs perspectives, what did this look like for you all?
1: Yeah, I think uh, when the collaborative first started, I was in a different position. I was one of the frontline staff and uh, there was some hesitation on having to collect more data and put it in another system. Uh, but I think once we were able to see what it was about and Tracy's leadership was really consistent and took a lot of the uh, the legwork out of it for all the organizations, it helped us to to see, see it through for the year. And then once we were able to see what information the data could give us, it was easier to buy into the process. And uh, then there wasn't as much reluctance uh, or hesitation about having to collect, you know, all that data for a different system.
0: Right. So Joshua, I'm sure right now there are, um, quality management directors and data management directors who are asking themselves, what did Tracy do to help overcome that resistance with some of the frontline staff?
1: Um, I think the bottom line is that, you know, even the, the the folks that are resistant, it's not because they don't want to help the kids. So, uh, selling the fact that this data is a way to help the kids and, and serve them better is really the, the biggest thing, but also taking a lot of the legwork out of the meetings and making sure the meetings are productive um, and scheduled in advance so they can be attended and, uh, and that there's kind of a clear agenda so that we're getting something out of them, I think, was really important.
0: Right. And, and so, Tracy, from your perspective, um, did you start working on collaboratives just sort of knowing that's what you were supposed to do, or did you kind of learn as you went along?
2: So, I actually started at Christopher House uh, working in our after school and youth programming. Uh, I was director of those programs, and I was really jazzed by the idea of measuring our impact and, uh, you know, help that department uh, establish systems for uh, increasing impact on youth and families. And then from there, Uh, you know, I took on a larger role, uh, of helping to, uh, right, evaluate systems at Christopher House agency-wide, and really it was our board, um, in 2008, we were sharing some outcome results with them where they started to question, you know, how this is great that this is how Christopher House is doing, but how do we compare to other nonprofits doing similar work and offering similar services, which was really sort of a catalyst for uh, our CEO to um you know, reach out to uh, peer agencies and uh, gauge interest in benchmarking data.
0: Yeah. And I was gonna say, I guess that's where yeah, to- benchmarking comes from in the title of, of the collaborative.
2: That's right. That's right. There, uh, yeah, you know, in that. the nonprofit sector, uh, you know, uh, measures of success vary dramatically. Uh, it is, it, it can be hard to come by benchmark data, and so this is a group who, you know, uh, was motivated and and voluntarily convene themselves there wasn't you know funding for the uh, that was allocated across agencies for the project Um, they wanted to create a set of benchmark data for themselves uh, so that again we can increase impact um, and improve
0: quality of services joshua did you want to jump in
1: yeah i was going to say uh from the the program side kind of what Tracy mentioned about being able to look at other agencies doing similar work and compare data was one of the really intriguing and different things about this collaborative from the beginning that perked my interest and my organization's interest kind of from from the get-go because that was pretty unique at the time.
0: Very cool. So I I have a question, um, Joshua, from the program side. It would seem to me that if you've got seven organizations and you're benchmarking data, there's one organization that comes in last place. And w- w- what does that look like? And what does that look like for the organization?
1: Well, I'd like to think we never we never came in last place. Um,
0: oh yeah, let me be clear. I'm eight. not saying you all came in last place. Somebody came no. in last place.
1: Of course. No, I think uh, the stage the stage was set to really not use it as a measuring stick in terms of first to last, but as a opportunity to learn. Uh, I think there was most of the organizations had different strengths in different areas. And so we were able to learn from other organizations' strengths to improve upon our weaknesses. And I think because everybody came to it, again, knowing that the uh, the purpose of the entire collaborative was to provide better services and, and programs for the, the children, that, uh, you know, egos were kind of set aside and coming in last wasn't as important as trying to figure out how to do better.
0: And so, Tracy, I got to ask this question. Was there at any point that a funder came to the collaborative and said, "Okay, we want to see how these programs rank because we want the, our best return on investment"?
2: Uh, I think funders have been very respectful of you know letting this group uh, right establish the process that works for for us, um, which is, as Josh Josh said, is really to to learn from each other. But no doubt. Right, it's it can be intimidating uh, when you know a new partner comes to the group. The idea of sort of um, putting your scores, you know, your program results up next to each other can be intimidating. It's 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 an evolution to establish that trust um, among partners, uh, for sure. But I think you know we've we have gotten to a place where. Um, you know, we're all pretty comfortable uh, sharing our scores and really are, are motivated by wanting to improve. So, you know, if you you are in last place um, and all of us have experienced, you know, being below the group average, let's say. Right. Uh, we we I, I, several agencies take that group average and incorporate into the into their strategic plan. Right. It becomes the target. Let's at least get to the group average, which is how the benchmark data is helpful and used among right. the group.
0: Which And I'll show you what I love about that is, you know, anyone who loves stats knows that when one organization or one participant reaches the group average, suddenly the group average goes up. So, you know, when one gets better, everybody has to get better in order to be at or above the group average. That's right. Which is kind of cool. Exactly. Exactly.
2: And, you know, we also can use the data we like to identify trends across programs where we all see we need to improve. Um, And what's you know, the benefit there is that we can, there's efficiencies in, you know, sharing in professional development, uh, for example, uh, to, to you know, increase and move the needle on those
0: scores. So um, next question for me is, do you ever use those moments to, as a group, approach funders? So for example, say, hey, we all need to be working on X, Y, or Z, and we know this because we're benchmarking our data. And, you know, hey, funder, we want you to to fund us to do that as a group,
2: we have, yes, we have um, you know been successful in uh, you know getting funding for this initiative um, to support many of the efforts uh, across the service areas that we track, and so, Uh, Yeah, an example, uh, our early childhood programs, uh, scores were low in children's math development. And so as a collaborative, uh, you know, we collectively agreed that we wanted to introduce some professional development to teachers to increase the math language they were using in the classroom. And so this was a, you know, kind of cohort initiative that took place over the course of a school year. There were, you know, several professional development opportunities for staff and uh, so that's an example of, you know, the type of, of project that uh, I think funders, you know, get excited about because they see the cost efficiencies there and they want to support that type of work.
0: And, and my assumption is that because you're already tracking that data a year after funding and two years into funding and three years into funding, you're able to then show funders how, how their investment moved the needle on math.
2: That's right, uh, and we have because this collaborative has been together for so long. We have that long-term data to uh, be able to show increases in scores over time. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, obviously, the long, the I'm sorry, go ahead, Joshua. The long-term,
1: yeah, the long-term data also has kind of helped us change and and evolve in the questions we asked and the way the the data we get out of uh, out of the collaborative. So the the database we. Use is you know customizable, and we can put in our own questions and our own kind of assessments. And so, as we looked at some of the data, uh, especially around grade improvement, we we were like, okay, well, this you know we want to assume that this that these students' grades are improving because of us, but how can we prove it, and how can we show a little bit more of a link of causation between what we're doing, and uh, and their grades improving? So, we had always talked at Erie House and in the Collaborative a lot about this. Accountability piece, and that when these youth are held accountable for their grades, uh, there's immediate impact and improvement. And so, we were looking for a way to kind of prove that. And so, through the collaborative, we were able to build out an assessment where we, uh, when we track the quarterly grades, every student that had a D and an F had a had an informal or formal meeting with our assistant director about why they had a D or an F, and uh, then we would talk with them about you know based on why, what the strategies were to improve those grades. And we track that over the quarter. And then by the end of the year, we'd be able to see whether those students improved and we'd be able to see a little bit more causation between uh, what we were doing and what we were just calling accountability and the actual improvement of their grades.
0: So um, I, I got to ask you some questions here because suddenly my jaw drops. Um, So Joshua, you said that every student that got a DRF had a one-on-one conversation with an assistant director.
1: Yes, yeah, so, that's what we decided to yeah. do because we wanted to, you know, we take great improvement very seriously, and we also pride ourselves on taking any student at you know any level, if they're a straight A student or a straight F student, and trying to uh, you know bring them up to their their best potential. So uh, we developed this plan, and uh, sometimes we split up the work in terms of who they were meeting with, but basically it fell on the assistant director uh, to have those meetings and to go through this format, which was then entered on the database as well. Um, about what we were going to do to improve their grades. So maybe that was, you know, meeting with their teacher after school. Maybe that was studying more for tests. Maybe that was coming to homework time more consistently. Uh, maybe that was, you know, catching up on homework on the weekends. Whatever the case was, uh, we we wrote those down so we could hold the student accountable for their grades um, and know that we were having a real conversation about this. We weren't just going to brush it aside and then also give them the tools to actually improve.
0: Wow.
2: And I, I would just add... Um, In this particular example, it's a a great example of learning from your peers um, who are achieving higher outcome results. So in this example that Josh is sharing, uh, Erie Neighborhood House was seeing, uh, you know, the greatest net gains in students uh, increasing their GPA. And so we use the peer learning forums to understand, Okay, what strategies, what practices do you think are contributing to that kind of a result so that the other agencies can take those back and and implement them in their programs? And in this case, this was something that, you know, individualizing students who have D's and F's that the rest of the agencies said, this makes sense. This seems, you know, it's working for you. And it's something that they wanted to also take on and implement. And, you know, we have over the uh, last several years uh, seen a 10% increase in uh, students achieving this uh, GPA outcome that we all track. And so it's, uh, you know, just a nice example of how the collaborative works together and learns from high performers.
0: So so clearly this collaborative has been beneficial for all of the educational organizations that are participating in it. But my gut tells me that this probably is true for benchmarking collaboratives across various nonprofit industries. So whether we're talking workforce development or education or healthcare or homeless services. So as you all were implementing this benchmarking collaborative, what were some of your lessons learned that maybe other, other new collaboratives could take home? You know, I that a lot is-
1: of it about, A lot of it is about the way uh, we approach data. Um, and Tracy and I have talked about this before, but I think in the in the example we just talked about, we approached data um, in a way that we could that we knew we could change the questions or, or evolve the questions to get um, something that's a little bit more provable, I guess, and also uh, to improve what we were doing with the, the students. And then there's other times where we've used the data to answer questions that we had, and we didn't even know the data had the answers. We were talking about our retention um, at one of the collaborative meetings and uh, our retention among the males was lower than our retention among the females in our, in our high school program. And we didn't know why we had some guesses, but we figured out, we'd figure out how, or we figure out why by asking the boys and we would have gotten a whole bunch of different answers, but right there in the data, it just said that the, the males um, on one of the assessments we took every year scored higher or lower on thinking they had choice and autonomy in the program. And so if we had asked, you know, 10 boys we would have gotten 10 different answers. But really what that meant is we needed to give the, the boys more choice and obviously autonomy in the program, which, you know, one boy would have said, well, we need to play basketball more. Another boy would have said we need more computer time and we wouldn't have had any sort of answer. But by knowing they just needed more choice and autonomy, we got more boys on our youth council. We brought them into discussions about what programs we'd have and we watched what programs they really liked and tried to expand the time for those or the opportunities for those. And that was an answer that was sitting there right right there in the data that we had the question for, and we just didn't connect them. And we wouldn't have connected them if, if not for the collaborative, kind of saying, well, well, look at this. This this is your answer right here. This is how you complete retention. We implemented that, and uh, we just had the group of uh, boys that were eighth graders when we implemented that graduate from high school, and we didn't lose a single one of them uh, in the program throughout their four years in high school.
0: That's awesome.
2: and Yeah, yeah. I I would add a a clear and feasible vision uh, and goals uh, as well as strong uh, CEO sponsorship um, in terms of our lessons learned. I think keeping it uh, simple in the beginning. So when you're identifying what metrics you wanna track, uh, not trying to do too much right out of the gate. Um, as well as, uh, you know, once you kind of get systems up and running, uh, I think it's important to be running reports early and often for staff to see. Otherwise, uh, you know, some feedback we've gotten is that they, you know, feel they're entering this information into a black hole, right? They do the data entry, but they're not sort of seeing the um, results in, in reports on the other end. Hmm. Um
0: so you, you also mentioned, I think your second item was um, strong chief executive sponsorship. Now, you got to tell me what that looks like, because we have a lot of executive directors who listen to the podcast, and so they need to know what that looks like.
2: Yep. Uh, good question. So CEO sponsorship is, you know, I'm really referring to uh, leadership that can champion Using data throughout an organization, uh, who, uh, right, leaders who prioritize uh, looking at data in leadership team meetings, at manager level meetings, sharing data with the board. and who are also going to allocate resources in the budget to support the work. Uh, so, you know, prioritizing system administrators, uh, prioritizing working with, uh, you know, consultants who can really train staff so they have the skills and the knowledge to be effective in collecting data, using a new software, uh, analyze results, uh, and then make actionable decisions based on the data that they're analyzing. Uh, So I think, you know, those are some of the the key factors. And also, uh, you know, messaging with staff when, you know, we were talking earlier about experiencing resistance uh, to, you know, change or resistance to um, new new evaluation systems, uh, being able to uh, explain the why to staff, why it's important um, and crucial for an organization to adopt, uh, you know, uh, new evaluation measures or participate in a collaborative similar to the CBC. Right.
0: So, yeah, of I I heard... two
1: things just to add to that is, is yeah, the messaging that, that came down at the time when the CBC started was really important, the why, and reminding the folks that are entering the data and doing the work that all of this is to make the programs better because if they're in this kind of work and that's not their motivation, then, um, they, they, you know, probably need to look for another line of work. And I think what, uh, what we found is that all the people in the work, that was why they're here to to do as best as they could, um, by the youth. So when that messaging comes through, that's why we're doing this, that's really important. And I think, um, for CEOs that are thinking about starting one of those, one of these groups, uh, Tracy's really underselling her role. I think her being consistently there and leading the group in the way that she did uh was vital to it being sustained because you know ultimately, I went at the beginning because I was told to um but the reason I enjoyed going and kept going and really put thought and effort into it was because Tracy did a really good job running those groups, and so I felt that it was worthwhile
0: so so Joshua, one of the things I think I hear you saying is you've got to have a, kind of a project manager who's task oriented. Like Tracy, to keep everything moving forward, even when some folks kind of get lost in the weeds and daily operations.
1: Yeah, an organized and committed uh, director of it.
0: Right, right, and and of course, I would imagine that's probably something a lot of funders are willing to consider funding for a couple years to see what the results are.
1: Yeah, I think that that's the uh, that's the ultimate goal, right? To have to see. Uh, change over a long period of time and see the lessons that are learned kind of passed on and not lost when, you know, people move on to another position or, or whatever the case is. Right.
0: And, and so Tracy, how did, how did the group deal with that? Because I think it's not at all uncommon on any collaboration for a chief executive leaves or a program director leaves and, you know, and momentum is lost with a partner or even a partner's like, and hey, we no longer see the value in it we used to how have how have you dealt with those partners as as the possibility of them pulling away has has become a risk? Mm-hmm.
2: So, I think uh, one of the greatest risks to the collaborative is when there is turnover of the CEO. Because a new CEO comes in, and uh, you, there's a, a lot of work we do to uh, educate them about the work that the benchmarking collaborative is doing, the benefits of participating, uh, and the impact that we're having. Uh, and so, you know, I think uh, actually, Erie House. Uh, uh has a CEO who's um not new. She's Josh, she's been in her role for a uh, couple years now, right?
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. And um I think you know one of the things she did that uh was really smart was she met with her program directors and asked them, do you find the collaboration to be a productive use of your time. And so I think that's part of what um, not just, right, Chris is project manager, uh, you know, uh, communicating with new CEOs about the work we do, but I think, uh, you know, CEOs doing a little investigative work themselves um, internally uh, to find out, you know, the, if, if staff are finding the collaborative to be uh, beneficial is, is, has been a has been how the process has gone in the past. Um, I think also, you know, the other thing is, there's, there's um, a benefit to being a part of a collaborative when you have staff turnover, right, you have an established system where you can leverage your your peers for, you know, getting data reports pulled, um, and getting some of your evaluation needs met. Uh, so it's it's that's one of the benefits when it comes to staff turnover.
0: Right. And I think that's especially true if benchmarking goals are included in your strategic plan, because then there's staff turnover. But ideally, the strategic plan is turned over to that new staff person. And they're like, oh, yeah, this is an important goal. It's in our plan. That's right. Well, I have loved talking with the two of you, but I've got to ask you an off the map question. Um, so... It's always a little bit awkward when it's two people because, you know, I can't ask, really ask you both the same question. So, Joshua, I know that you're a sports fan. Tracy, I understand that you love humorists. And by the way, I'd love to know the difference between a comedian and a humorist at some point. But my question for each of you is who are some of your favorites in each of those areas?
1: Uh, I so- think my favorite sports player ever would be Walter Payton, uh, the running old running back for the the late great Walter Payton, uh, the running back for the Chicago Bears.
0: And and why is Payton one of your favorites?
1: Well, I was real young when he was doing his thing, um, and I used to watch the the Bears games with my brother and my dad, um, and so that was just kind of a special time growing up and watching him run. And it was uh, it was like watching a power truck and a ballerina combined <laughs> running, running around. And the field in a Bears uniform, it was just a different kind of movement that he was able to, the, the different kind of movement he had that, you know, made him so, so amazing to watch.
0: That, that That's kind of awesome. I've always kind of felt that way about Muhammad Ali, by the way. It's kind of like, you know, if you combine, you know, if you combine a power truck and a ballerina, it's like, okay, it kind of looks like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So Tracy, how about you? Talk to us about humorous. Oh, uh,
2: so I think for this, I got to say, uh, who am I going to go with? I think right now I've, uh, been reading a lot of David Sedaris and, uh, he just cracks me up. Um, and yeah, I, uh, the, the book me talk pretty, uh, I, is one of my, my
0: favorites. I, I love that for, I have to share with you for years, one of our holiday traditions was to go to um, um, the Holiday on Ice performance um, at our local theater. So I don't know if you know, there, there's like a whole play that's been done around Holidays on Ice, uh, which was one of David Sedaris' more, more popular books. Um, totally love David Sedaris, although I have to admit, I'd written down, and I would have, I, you know, I'd written down, I thought you were going to say Mark Twain, because I think humorist, and I'm like, okay, Mark Twain, he's kind of a humorist. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, Let me thank you both for joining us today. So grateful that you have given some incredible information that our listeners can use as they think about how they're going to benchmark their own data and how they're going to use it and how they're going to use it to really get better and better every year. Now, listeners who want more information can actually download a copy of your toolkit, and it's officially called Increasing Mission Impact Through Collaboration. Chicago benchmarking collaborative process and toolkit, and they can do that at christopherhouse.org. We will—it's a little bit of a longer URL. We will link that URL in our show, show notes. Now, if you want to do more than download it, if you're old-fashioned like me and you want a hard copy, I think they've also got those available for fifteen bucks. And if you're really interested in doing a collaborative, it's probably worth buying five or six so that everyone you're thinking about including in this, you can make sure that they've got a copy of this toolkit as well. Now, Joshua has asked that we let all of our Chicagoland listeners know that Erie House is looking for members for, for members, is looking for mentors for its constituents. Now, you can get information about mentorship opportunities by contacting Joshua directly at jfulcher at eriehouse.org. We will also put his email address in our show notes. And that is what a bold, bold person Joshua is. He has asked us to literally put his email address online. And Joshua, I'm sure in addition to getting some great potential mentors, you might you might have the opportunity to share a fortune in a Nigerian estate or something like that as well. So congratulations. Hopefully, Please, please split the fortune with us. Will do. So again, Joshua, Tracy, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you, Dolph. We so appreciate the opportunity to be able to share our work. Um, so thank you.
1: Thank you. So, it was a pleasure being here.
0: So if you're at this very moment reaching out to another nonprofit in your community to see how you might form a greater than the sum of its parts alliance, keep on figuring that out because you don't have to write down the information we just shared. It's available at our show notes at SuccessfulNonprofits.com. Now, today we talked about changing for the better, and sometimes Change just happens. And one of the things Tracy talked about is when you have got change in your chief executive or executive director position, you might lose some traction on some of those core projects and collaboratives that are really important. So I just want to also suggest that when you're at SuccessfulNonprofits.com, you check out our blog. We have got some great articles on transitions for your executive leadership. It's really important that you handle those transitions well. It will keep your collaboratives and all of your programs running smoothly if you do. Now, I would be remiss if I did not ask you, dear listener, if you've not already subscribed to the podcast, then subscribe. And if you have subscribed, for crying out loud, isn't it about time that you rated and reviewed us on your podcast streamer of choice? So that's my plea for you today. Come on. If you've already subscribed, go online and do that. That's our show for this week. I hope you listeners have gained some insight to help your nonprofit thrive in a competitive environment. I am not an accountant or attorney, and neither I nor the Goldberg Group provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. This material has been provided for informational purposes only, is not intended to provide, and should not be relied on for tax, legal, or accounting advice. Always consult a qualified, licensed professional about such matters.